Well, welcome to the Speaker Live Show. This is episode 182 on February 27th, 2019. This is where we talk all things podcasting and live audio with the goal of helping you be a better podcaster or live stream show host. So thank you so much. My name is Rob Greenlee, and I'm the VP of Podcaster Relations at VoxNest that operates Spreaker, and this is the official podcast of the Spreaker platform. We stream this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And thank you for joining us today. Alex Exum was not able to join us today, but uh, we're going to move right into some terrific topics on the show. Coming right up, we're going to talk about five steps to creating a podcast budget. And we're going to have a very fascinating conversation with a leader in the podcasting space around research. And his name is... Tom Webster, and he's a senior vice president of strategy and marketing at the Edison Research Company. And he has some uh, new research coming out on March 6th. And we're going to talk a, a little bit about um, that that's coming up. Some other topics around what's going on with Spotify and the changes in the podcasting space. So, you know, this is going to be a very kind of, um, it's going to have a lot of opinions and data um, around what's happening in the podcasting space. So I'm going to play a little clip from um, that conversation so you can get an idea of what's uh, coming up later in the show. So the Infinite Dial is the longest running study of media consumption habits and behaviors in America. We've been doing it continuously since 1998, uh, and I've worked on it for the last 15 years now. So I've, I've been involved with it for a long time. And it started off in 98, really, to look at how the Internet was going to affect media of all sorts. And this is, you know, obviously before the days of YouTube and uh, Internet radio at the time consisted of things like like Spinner and Net Radio and Live 365, things like that. And it was early days. Um, and over the years, its primary focus has really been digital audio and the, the whole universe of digital audio. You know, obviously, we're concerned with fleshing out who the digital audio consumer is. So there are questions in here about social media and, and you know, some other habits so that we can get a, a rounder picture of, of who these humans are. The big focal points are certainly streaming audio uh, in all its forms. And podcasting has been a, a major focus that we've been covering podcasting in the infinite dial since 2006. So we've got quite a track record covering the medium. And then uh, also in the program today, we're going to have a podcast review of the week, and that is Out of the Shadows. It's a true crime investigative series done by Shane Waters. Uh, so we have that coming up as well. We're going to talk about that and play a little, uh, a couple of clips from that series. It should be fascinating. And we have a featured podcast of the week, and it's the Hallie Caster Jane Show. It's a terrific uh, politics and um, kind of Hollywood entertainment topics program. Uh, and you're certainly welcome to send me a promo um, of your show and be happy to play it as a featured podcast of the week in here too. If you wanted to create a little MP3 promo for your show, um, send it to rob at Spreaker.com and give me a little brief description of the show, kind of what it's all about and be happy to to play your promo on the, on the program. So, and then also later we're going to uh, review the podcaster and Spreaker's events calendar um, about what's coming up in events in the podcasting space. So 
Uh, let's uh, move right into our next segment, which is uh, what's on the show today. Uh, it's basically uh, five steps to creating a podcast budget. And I think one of the things to think about here is as you think about creating a, a budget for your podcast when it comes to how much money you're willing to spend on your podcast, I think you really have to get very clear about what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. But you also need to understand you know, what your income is, what your disposable income is, about where you land as far as how much of your income that you're willing to devote to podcasting. So I think it's really important for you to get very clear on what your goals are. If your goals are to have an advertising program or your goals are really centered around just building a very organic kind of hobby cast of sorts, you know, if you want to go towards the professional end of the spectrum, that's probably going to require you to have a little different approach. So, and I think uh, that that's really key and the format of the show too. What's the topic? How are you going to produce your show? And that's going to drive what equipment you need, whether it's, uh, are you going to do remote recordings? Are you going to do it in your office over Skype? I think um, the type of program that you're going to produce is going to drive a lot of the budgetary um, issues that you're going to face around, you know, um, the the equipment that you need. Now, the hosting is something you know that we we can talk about as well, and I I definitely plan on talking about that. But there there's other costs too that can come into play too. Is if you're going to hire people to do you know some audio you know lead-ins and exits. If you're going to have some cover art created or album art or what's commonly, it's almost like a billboard square billboard image for your program that's the representation of your show. Are you going to have to pay for a website? And then you're going to have to create some graphics around that as well. Uh, And some people are skilled at creating graphics and other people aren't. So you kind of have to have this ability to kind of figure out what you're skilled at doing and whether or not you you can deliver on uh, what your goals are. And I think that's the key. If you're confused about what you're trying to do around um, the show format and what you're trying to produce, I would reach out and talk to others that um, have done a similar type program and get some tips from them. Um, you can certainly, if you have questions around your format or what type of equipment that you might need for your podcast, you can certainly reach out to me, uh, Rob at Spreaker.com, and uh, maybe we can talk about it on the show here to solve your problem and solve uh, you know, some issues that others may, may have as well. But I think it's really important to really get clear on the understanding of whether or not this is kind of a professional podcast for you, or if it's just a hobby, it's something fun that you're doing, and that will kind of help you figure out where you are on the budget side and what you can afford as well. So I think it's important to understand what your costs will be in advance so you don't get surprised. But I also think that you kind of just need to start really basic. Most people will need to just start really basic, uh, keep your costs uh, really low, I know um, hosting platforms like Spreaker have free plans so you can get started and just learn about how to do it without having a lot of upfront investment. So I think a lot of uh, what you can do, very low cost, I I think you do need to get a good quality microphone to get started with. I think uh, listeners are definitely uh, quality sensitive when it comes to audio. Uh, So you need to think about those kind of things as well as, as a place to get started. But you can get like you know, a high quality microphone for like $59. You can get audio editing software like SoundForge for for Windows for like $59 also. 
so you can kind of get started really if you're on a Windows machine for like a hundred bucks. Uh, on a Mac, you can kind of do similar things. A lot of these microphones will work with Macs as well. And Spreaker does make uh, free software to record on mobile devices as well. And oftentimes these these USB-based uh, microphones will work with iOS devices as well. Um, but you can certainly get those kind of microphones as well that just plug into your iPad or your iPhone. And you can just use those devices uh, utilizing software like Spreaker Studio for iOS or Android. There's ways that you can get started, keep your costs low, and then just kind of ramp up uh, with what your quality and your production that you have. Maybe you eventually want to get a mixer and you want to get a boom microphone. Those are going to cost you a little bit more money, but not that much more money, really. So it it really, you just need to get really clear on what type of production you're trying to uh, create here. And if you're confused about it, reach out and ask people that are that are already doing it. Most podcasters are very open to to sharing and and helping. And if you go to any podcasting conference, if you go to like PodFest or Podcast Movement, those are great places to actually uh, learn from just asking questions of uh, experienced podcasters. Um, Most podcasters are very willing to help out and give suggestions because there there are common practices in the uh, medium that most people in the space have tried out. Um, there are a couple of, of new microphones out there you can certainly use. Uh, one is I just got in, which is a microphone from Samson, and that's not Samsung, that's Samson, and that's S A M S O N, and it's a USB based microphone called the Q2U. What it is, um, I actually I just got it in myself and and have it on my desk here too. But uh, it's got terrific kind of noise canceling capability around it. Plus, it's uh, XLR and USB uh, supporting, so you can just plug it directly into your uh, laptop uh, that you have, or your desktop computer, or your Mac, or your or your Windows machine. And it's really really easy to do that. Moving back into your budget process. I would just really look at your your budget and make sure that uh, the path that you're taking you can afford. It doesn't cause any financial struggles for you. Try and use as many uh, free or low cost solutions here to get started. You know, and and like like I was telling you about the about the Spreaker Studio, that's a terrific way to start. Um, just recording like on a mobile device, you you don't really have to get. Is big expensive microphones and big mixers to get started with podcasting, but it also gets back to what type of show do you want to produce, and then just try and achieve that in in ways that uh, are something that you understand and you know how to how to do. So, if you want to read more about this topic, Spreaker does have a blog post up on its blog at blog.spreaker.com, and it's called "The Five Steps to Creating a Podcast Budget." So, and it has some, some tips in there, um, but I did want to talk about it here and really kind of um, drive the message that planning and knowing what you want to do with your podcast is really, really critical uh, before you start jumping into buying equipment and, and those kind of things. But I mean, everybody's going to need to have a host provider like, like Spreaker, but there's certainly lots of choices out there depending on what your needs are. Just ask another podcaster. And if you want to ask me, you can certainly send me an email like I was 
saying earlier, just send it to rob at Spreaker.com and we'll do our best to try and answer your question on the show or just in a, in a response back. So, so anyway, well, let, let's move on on that topic and talk about our podcast review of the week. And this is a, a series that's on Spreaker. And it's basically a true crime show. It's really a reality-based um, show. It's talking about real-world crime issues. And the clip that I'm going to play here is from uh, part 16. It's an interview with the Archdiocese of Baltimore around um, clergy abuse. And so I wanted to play a little clip around this because this is a terrific podcast. If you're into true crime stuff um, that is well-produced and, and has a topic kind of focus, and that's what this one has that's kind of really in the news right now. So I'm going to play this first clip, and then we're going to come back, and then I'll play kind of part two um, of a sample of Out of the Shadows with uh, Shane Waters. The following interview is with the Vice Chancellor of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We will release this interview in two parts, and there have been no edits or production added to the interview. In the second part, it was mentioned they fear being taken out of context by editing. If you are a survivor of clergy abuse in Baltimore, please take caution when listening, as this could be a trigger. This is the first time we have been able to sit down for a discussion with the Archdiocese, so please remember... As a journalist, we'll be remaining respectful, but determined. I am Shane Waters. This is Out of the Shadows. Today I'm joined with Sean Kane, and Sean, you represent the Archdiocese of Baltimore, is that right? That's correct. What is your position with them? Uh, my title is uh, Vice Chancellor, and I'm the Executive Director of the Department of Communications. And I w wanted to play clip two um, about some of the the other aspects of this topic in the in this part sixteen of this multi-part series. So let me play part two here. The diocese takes very seriously its, its obligation to first report to civil authorities um, to seek out other victims, to provide um, uh, outreach, meaningful outreach to victim survivors, um, uh, and, and obviously then to hold uh, the individuals involved accountable to the degree that we can. Um, and all of that requires many, many steps, and, and, and there are many factors involved behind the scenes, and all of that um, is available and, and made privy to the members on the, on the board so that they can appropriately guide and offer, um, you know, 
their best judgment on on how things should be handled. Do they deal strictly with abuse allegations? They do. Um, most most recently, the archbishop has has asked to expand their their roles so that they um, directly receive, as opposed to receiving from the diocese, allegations as they pertain to bishops serving in Baltimore. And that was really meant to address some of the concerns that have come out just this past year uh, that were surfaced um, around the the Archbishop McCarrick um, case uh, where you had a a sitting cardinal who had had allegations against him, not only that he abused, but also that he had harassed um, seminarians and young priests. Yes, and that was a a terrific series, the Out of Shadows series by Shane Waters. Um, And I will have a link to that show in the show notes that are part of this uh, this episode this week. So, and so let's let's move on and talk about our featured podcast show of the week, and it's the Hallie Kasser Jane Show. It's a terrific uh, politics Hollywood and entertainment program. Let's play a little clip from the Hallie Kasser Jane Show. Hallie Kasser Jane Show is always available online at halliekasserjane dot com. Now, let's get to it. This week on episode 346, it's hooray for Hollywood. No one gives a party like Oscar. This year, February 24th, Oscar celebrates 91 years of film achievement. Who will win the Golden Statuette for Best Film? And the Oscar for Best Actress is the Best Director. Joining me to talk about Oscar and much more is Chicago Sun-Times film critic Richard Roper and director, writer, producer, actor, and raconteur Charles Mathau, a voting member of the Academy Awards. And here we go. For more than three decades, Richard Roper has been the leading film critic and a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. He rose to national prominence as the co-host of the popular series Ebert and Roper, alongside Robert Ebert. His film reviews always insightful and entertaining. Well, that was a terrific promo from the Hallie Kasser Jane Show, and I will also have a link to that program in the show notes, so you can go check that out, see if this is a show that is right for you. So there's topics like politics in this program, as well as uh, talk of uh, Hollywood and the entertainment industry. So um, go check that out. So let's uh, move on and talk a little bit about a comment that we got um, on the website uh, from last week's show. And it's from Alan Tepper. He made a comment that he thought that the last episode was great and was an educational conversation uh, with Francesco Bascheri, who's the president of Voxnest, as we talked about dynamic ad insertion on the program last week. Uh, he made a comment, I hope for the next time Francesco will have a much more, um, I, I guess, a better microphone experience. And I hope that that happens as well. And, and we will 
um, work on that to make sure that happens. I know it was expressed to me um, by a few people that the audio quality wasn't uh, as as good as they would have liked, and I agree. But I think as we focus on, and Alan said this as well, as we focus on the content, and I think um, Francesco has a terrific uh, grasp of the of the dynamic ad insertion market uh, for podcasting and. That's all good for for podcasters in the long run um, as we try and drive some revenue and income to to podcasters. So, well, let's move on from that. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate the terrific comment. Let's let's cover really quick the podcaster and Spreaker events calendar. The the Rain Summit or the Rain Podcast Business Summit is coming up March fifth. Uh, 2019, Unlocking the Podcasting Mainstream. It's on the New World stage in New York City. If you wanted to uh, attend that or check that out, go to podcastbusinesssummit.com. And then also, just a couple days later, Podcast Multimedia Expo in Orlando is also um, coming up as well. I'm going to be at that event. So if you happen to be down in the southeast of, of the United States or um, it's getting a little too late to plan a trip probably across the country, but uh, uh, you can certainly attend that if you happen to be down in the Florida market or Florida area. And if you wanted to learn more about that, you just go to podfestexpo.com. Then in April, uh, April 6th through the 11th is when I'm going to be down in Las Vegas at the NEB show. It's at nabshow.com. Uh, it's April 6th through the 11th. Spreaker on uh, VoxNest will have a booth at the event this year um, again. Um, so we, we had one last year as well. And this is a huge show in Las Vegas, um, over 100,000 people. So it's uh, they've they've created a whole podcast pavilion on the um, Central Hall at this huge convention center down there. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on and jump into our conversation uh, with Tom Webster, who's the senior vice president of strategy and marketing for Edison Research. So let's go ahead and start that as a pre-recorded interview that I had um, done yesterday. So let's go ahead and play that now. I'm joined on the Speaker Live show by Tom Webster, who's the Senior Vice President of Strategy and Marketing at Edison Research. Tom, welcome to the Speaker Live show. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's great. Always a treat. Have you joined me? I know this is like the week before your big reveal of the new podcast research that's coming out, The Infinite Dial. Uh, okay. But we are going to go cash this time, huh? Okay. Yeah, a little more cash, I think. Maybe maybe a nice vest or something. But uh, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We are going to do it on video as we did last year. So we'll switch back and forth between video of John and I. We've we've worked up kind of like a sports center style set, and then you know obviously the the slides and the in the new data, and it's uh, it's a really good report this year. Super strong. So everybody knows uh, what we're talking about here. The Edison Research uh, folks, uh, Tom here is going to be presenting the latest and greatest podcast research um, on March 6th, and that's at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be yep, live, right? Eastern. We'll do a live hour uh, for the webinar, and then I'll be hanging around on social, taking questions and chatting about the results. So it, it's, a, it's a full day affair for us. We've got lots of work that goes into it and rehearsals and rehearsals and everything else. So what's the scope of it? Because, I mean, it's possible that a lot of people listening to this maybe haven't tuned in to the Infinite Dial mm -hmm. presentation before. What is the uh, 
the presentation all about? How does it work? So the Infinite Dial is the longest running study of media consumption habits and behaviors in America. We've been doing it continuously since 1998. Uh, and I've worked on it for the last 15 years now. So I've, I've been involved with it for a long time. And it started off in 98, really, to look at how the internet was going to affect media of all sorts. And this was, you know, obviously before the days of YouTube and uh, internet radio at the time consisted of things like like Spinner and Net Radio and Live 365, things like that. And it was early days. Um, and over the years, its primary focus has really been digital audio and the, the whole universe of digital audio. You know, obviously, we're concerned with fleshing out who the digital audio consumer is. So there are questions in here about social media and, and you know some other habits so that we can get a, a rounder picture of, of who these humans are. The big focal points are certainly streaming audio uh, in all its forms. And podcasting has been a, a major focus. Uh, we've been covering podcasting in the Infinite Dial since 2006. So we've got quite a track record covering the medium. Yeah, as I recall back in back in 2006, I, I think at the Podcast Portable Media Expo, I think is where, where it was when you first yep. got up and, uh, and, and started to present a podcasting research back at that event. I know it was a very popular session at the conference back then. And, and I think that was the very beginning of your kind of step into the podcasting space. And I know that your presentations and your data is always, um, it's always got some comedy behind it because you've got such a terrific kind of humorous personality. Um, so I think, you know, you've got basically unlike really anybody else in the medium, kind of like a, a very long-term view of this, this medium, which is really a critical thing. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, of, you know, as you think about how far we've come in this medium going back to 2006. Yeah, it's, you know, as, as you know, Rob, and you're such a, a veteran of the space, Hall of Famer, Rob Greenlee. Yeah. It's been, you know, for years and years, it's been a slow build. It never right. really shot up like video, and I don't know that we should ever expect it to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the, the pace has accelerated over the past three or four years. There's so much more press. Uh, I mean, you know, for longtime podcasters, you know, it's it, it is what it is. It's been yeah. steadily growing and improving. And, you know, we never get too high or too low about it. Yeah. Um, but it is the, the pace is accelerating, you know, and some of that has to do, I think, with with the dollars that are starting to, to yeah. flow into the space. You know, right. I mean, I know you and uh, you and Todd have talked about the, the Spotify acquisitions and, uh, you know, I think there's more to come there. And so as more money flows into the space, that money is going to be invested in content and talent. That's just going to, uh, you know, increase the size of the pie. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like that, you know, as money comes into the medium, there there is going to be a little bit of an opening in the purse strings, right, of, of, of investment in kind of all levels of the podcasting space of technology, you know, audience growth, you know, that, that frees up maybe some money for marketing and promotions and and a lot of things that can help grow this medium, which is something that uh, as you look back over the, the history and you will, you know, you know it better than anyone um, that we've been growing like, two to four percent every year on the audience side for many many years but it appears and hopefully this this new study that you have come out will start to show a little bit faster growth rate i, I think over the last couple of years I, I think it reached like uh five or six percent or something like that is that do i have those numbers right tom yeah i mean it's uh you know it's typically gone up uh two to three percentage points right. uh each year and 
that, you know, the past five years have seen, uh, you know, a slight increase in that, you know, maybe not an increase in the percentage growth necessarily, but at least in the, in the percentage points, which is different. Uh, it's picked up a little bit. Uh, and it's, the term is just being used a lot more in everyday parlance. You know, people are now talking about podcasts more and, and, you know, it's it's always been something that's grown organically, and you know, maybe now with the money in the space, it can it can get a boost from additional marketing and promotions and things like that. And you know, and you you look at uh, what companies like Wondery and and Gimlet have been able to do, sort of bridging from from podcast to Hollywood, and that's increasing the the notoriety in the space right. as well. So it it does look like it's going to keep growing. You know, we've seen in uh, we do another research series. It's a quarterly syndicated product called Share of Ear. And over time, we've seen something change that actually doesn't normally change. And that's the percentage of time that we spend listening to audio that's being spent on spoken word. And that ratio has actually shifted in the past five years. And that's not an easy ratio to shift, especially, I mean, mostly we like to listen to music. But yeah. uh, but podcasts have certainly played a role in, in making that shift. And, uh, and that's just going to create more and more demand for great content. Why do you think that that? that shift is happening um is it just uh, just the diversity of content uh, the quality is getting better what's the what do you think the dynamic is that that is creating this kind of this passionate fan base for spoken word content again since the since the beginning there's always been great content in the space but it's not necessarily been mass appeal content right yeah and now you know with with uh funding and investment from venture capitalists and things like that comes the the responsibility to to make money and that that certainly involves yeah. creating more mass appeal content so you know that i think has a lot to do with it but you know even in the short term if you think about storytelling and where those muscles come from and what we're seeing now is a real renaissance in great storytelling and for a long time public media has really had those chops uh, and those skills and those talents are starting to migrate outside of public media into, into other companies and other content providers. And, you know, it's, it's a skill that frankly, commercial broadcast radio has not really flexed those muscles in a very long time. Right. You know, they have, you know, most commercial broadcast radio in America is music, uh, you know, 80% music stations. And then what's left, uh, you know, there's a lot of syndicated talk shows and, and you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know that there's been a lot of advancement in the form on commercial broadcast radio, but that's starting to change. You know, you have a lot of the major broadcasters starting to actually take podcasting seriously now, as you know, since you talk to them, you know, that, that muscle memory is starting to come back. How is radio going to, you think, tap into this? I mean, they are kind of still living in their, their world of the, of the terrestrial broadcast world with their limitations and, and their formats and things like that, I, you know, it's still a big question mark on uh, how podcasting is going to change radio to keep them relevant over the, the long term. Because it does seem like a generational shift is is in progress here around people's expectations around spoken word content. And I see radio companies getting into the medium, but I don't see radio itself, uh, the content that's on radio, shifting very much um, getting yeah. that that process right of them adding podcasts to what they're doing what's your thoughts on that i mean is is podcasting going to impact what we hear on the radio waves do you think well it's still you know it's still digital pennies to analog dollars still right. um <laughs> right. that's that's the big issue right and right. you know when you have you know markets 
terrestrial radio markets for some companies that bill as much as the whole podcasting space right now. It becomes harder to, you know, devote resources. But, you know, to some extent, radio is insulated from uh, the precipitous decline that, you know, newspapers had classified from Craigslist and things like that, because uh, radio still has tremendous reach. It still reached uh, reaches 90 percent of Americans and it's still, uh, you know, it's still king of the car and not by a little. And that's something that doesn't change very quickly, but it is changing. And I'd like to think radio gets there because, you know, no matter what you think of podcasting or what a podcast is at the heart of it, it's a natural behavior that we're already used to with television. And that's the ability to hear what I want when I want on demand. And that's a universal behavior, I have to believe. So radio is going to have to adapt to that uh, because the percentage of you know, in dash entertainment systems is going up. The percentage of people who plug their cell phones into their cars is going up. There's just more and more options available. And that's, it's not cutting so much into radio's reach, but it is cutting into its share of ear and and its time spent listening. Yeah. It just seems like the, the format of podcasting is what's different between podcasting and, and radio. There, there's no time limitations. I mean, radio is stuck in this paradigm of, of limitations and it's advertising is very much geared towards, you know, trying to keep people's attention. Right. And that's, you know, by either yelling at you or playing loud, loud sounds or the actual, um, voices on radio tends to be a little bit more, you know, uh, higher volume or yeah, whatever that, that cadence is that, that makes it more of a disruptive medium than it is a, um, a kind of a compatible medium with um, how people like to listen to podcasts, right? So podcasts are like a very personal medium. People like to have more, you know, like what we're doing right here, Tom. I mean, more of a casual conversation. Um, there's not a lot of kind of like flashy sounds or things that keep people's attention because it's such a tune in tune out medium. And I just wonder how are we going to have this kind of this split personality in the radio world where this side on the digital side, we're going to be playing around with, you know, better audience experiences. And on the radio side, we're going to stick with, you know, disruptive and, and kind of loud and bombastic kind of experiences. And I, those don't seem compatible with each other as you look to the future. No, they don't. Um, and it's, you've, you've painted a, a depressing line in the sand there, Rob. But, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, <laughs> you know, it, look, it's finances dictate everything, right? And, yeah. you know, the way that radio is measured is drastically different from the way that podcasting is measured. You know, the way that radio is measured, it's measured in this mythical beast called the quarter hour. Right. And you get credit for a quarter hour, 15 mythical minutes of listening, if you just listen to five minutes of that quarter hour. And so, you know, commercial radio has sort of played that game and you can play a a song in that quarter hour and then nine minutes of commercials or whatever. um, And you're still going to get credit for it. And so there hasn't been necessarily the the financial incentive. Uh, If radio ratings were reported second by second, like they are collected in major markets, then I think that problem would get fixed right quick. So. But I, I hope that's not the case. And, and for all of this, for radio broadcasters that are listening, I hope I just hope it's a false choice. I mean, I, I would love to see uh, both sides continue to embrace the other. And, you know, you look at what uh, what iHeart has done. iHeart has kind of successfully deployed, you know, build and buy strategies to, to increase its share in podcasting. Um, and, I, you know, they're going to continue to be active in the space. And you're starting to see some yeah. other broadcast groups uh, you know, Beasley and Intercom and things like that become 
uh, active in the space. So I think there's room for both sides to learn from each other. I hope, boy, I hope yeah. so. Well, I, yeah, I hope so too. And I know you put out a, a quote in an article, I think it was last year or something like that, saying that one of the things that podcasting needs, and I don't know if you still believe this or, or not, is is more high quality crap content. <laughs> and it's I, been a it, I mean, yeah. Tom, it's it's been a very fun kind of phrase to to mention to people uh, as they look at podcast content, right? And yeah. And it, it gets people scratching their heads going like, well, what does that really mean? You know, so you kind of coined that phrase. Yeah. And I, w- I was just curious if you could kind of pull it apart a little bit and and see if if that is still relevant as you look at the space today. Well, we're, we're starting to get it. You know, I mean, podcasting in its infancy was very much a mix of uh public media content, you know, let's right. call it highbrow content. Right. Uh, and then, you know, more esoteric discussions of, of niche topics. And it was certainly very tech heavy in the beginning. And, you know, gradually that has spun out to be a little more, to be more balanced in terms of content. Right. You know, when I, when I say high quality crap, I mean, you look at the impact that Serial had and continues to have, and that's in a very popular genre. I mean, true crime is, is you know, you can you can print money with true crime podcasts. <laughs> right. But Serial is a very kind of highbrow production, you know, very uh, erudite take on it. But there's room in there for Dateline, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the number one show on television last year was Roseanne. Um, yeah. And that's really, you know, the, the, some podcasters might hold their nose at that sort of thing. But there's it's a false choice. There's room for all of those things in the space. And it's that kind of high-quality crap uh, <laughs> that that will bring more earballs uh, to the medium and, and increase, you know, increase the revenue for all kinds of content, including highbrow content, middlebrow content, lowbrow content. I mean, there's just all kinds of room for broad concept stuff. And again, I, you look at what Hernan has done with Wondery, uh, yeah. and I wouldn't call anything that Wondery has done as crap. I would call <laughs> it very broad concept, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, things like Dr. Death and, uh, and Dirty John and things like that, that, you know, are just as... Uh, as salacious as as Dateline and, and and things like that, and they're appealing to a different aspect of yeah, the, of right. the true crime audience. So um, that you know, and that and they're very high quality production. So that that's just going to continue to grow in the space. Yeah, I think as you talk about Wondery and you talk about uh, what the, the the content that's coming out, it's very representative of a somewhat of a new genre in the podcasting space too. You you know, you think about you know, and I try and do this on other conversations that I have with others about podcasting and I tell them and that I think most of the life of podcasting has been around reality based storytelling. Um, the only distinction really has been the duration of the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess what we're moving into now is a phase where, you know, companies like Wondery and, and others um, are starting to think more about fiction and how fiction can be, really an unlimited um, opportunity and to create all sorts of different audio content. And now granted reality certainly has a lot of stories behind them as well, but you know, you start heading down the path of uh, fictional stuff that takes you, you know, right into the world of Hollywood, right. Um, Of the whole kind of storytelling and, and telling um, stories that could be maybe made into TV series or movies or whatever. And so you kind of have this new genre that's bubbling up and uh, certainly um, Homecoming and Dirty John are terrific examples of 
um, how podcasts can be used as a as a place to to prove a story's viability before it becomes something else, right? So, what's your thoughts on the on the development of fiction um, as a as a significant genre over the next few years? Well, I think fiction is going to grow a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, there's already so much blurring of the lines between fictional podcasts and audiobooks and and audible continues to blur that line i mean they're putting out so much high quality short interesting audible original content right now uh that that those lines are blurring and it to me it's not just fiction although you're you're absolutely right about fiction it's shows that have a a a finite narrative arc and look that's been around since the beginning with podcasting i mean the you know the most extreme example of that is hardcore history like every show stands alone uh, for hours and hours. And yeah, hours. I was going to say like five <laughs> hours long, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I think Serial and S Town and, and others have done is it, it's sort of, it's given content producers permission to think in terms of narrative arcs. You know, uh, you look at a show, uh, a great podcast I listened to recently, a short series, uh, or actually I just, I just, I just power listened to the dropout, which was, uh, an ABC news, uh, podcast that looks at the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos, story how it went from a you know billion dollar company to a fraud like that's you know the way we used to think of podcasts it was like how am i going to keep that going week after week after week well you don't you do it for five shows right. uh and then and then you you know it's time for the next story in the hopper or whatever and you've got a built-in cross-promotional device for the next thing as long as you have the next thing in the hopper and that's you know that's been sort of the the genius of netflix uh and even hbo on another scale to always have the next thing ready to go when the when the last thing ended uh, but it just you know, it, it gives the industry permission and, and gives success models to do things in short narrative arcs instead of, you know, ongoing seasons that never end, uh, which there's always a place for that. The kind of what you and I are doing right now, the, the kind of banter cast. Yeah. Um, but yes. there's just yeah. there's just room for. Yeah, I didn't coin that. Actually, my boss, Larry, <laughs> point that banter cast. I, I, I'm sure he meant it with love. No, it's um, thought sharing, Thomas. Thought sharing. Thought, okay. thought sharing cast. That's right. I, I need to turn off my mic for a moment. Okay. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Let's kind of move on and talk a little bit about what we've recently seen with uh, Spotify and what mm-hmm. it might mean for the medium. I know you put out an article talking about uh, this blending of Spotify and podcasting, music, all those things together. And, and uh, are we creating something new here? Are, I mean, now, uh, these music streaming services have been kicking around podcasting for many years. I mean, even going back and looking at uh, iTunes, um, iTunes, you know, kind of blended music together uh, in the same client application with podcasting going back to the early days. I mean, so there there has been an arc podcasting and music uh, riding along together. Um, obviously, they're both um, audio, um, which makes them, you know, compatible with each other. But they are completely different uh, mediums from the standpoint of the listener's expectation of the content and the experience, um, which makes them sometimes an incompatible medium with each other. And I think uh, that's part of the reason why we've seen music streaming services kind of struggle with uh, figuring out how to incorporate um, long-form spoken word audio content into their experiences and have it make sense. You know, I was a big skeptic of it for many years myself that uh, any of these music streaming platforms were going to figure out how to make it work. Um, but what's your current thoughts on this integration um, of podcasting into Spotify? And then we can talk about the 
the deal that they just did or mm. the purchases that they just did. But the, just the integration, do you think it works and makes sense to have spoken word sitting right next to music in like a Spotify type platform? I think it absolutely does. I, I remember a conversation I had with Todd Cochran, maybe the very last New Media Expo. Pour one out for the New Media Expo. Yeah. Um, where I where I told him, I said, "Watch out for Spotify," and uh, he, yeah. he 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 laughed at me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure you can't imagine that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But but here's the thing: it's it 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 does away a with all of the friction that. Uh, that people associate with podcasting, whether whether that perception, whether those perceptions are true or not, yeah. um, you, are, you already know how to use the Spotify app, and it's no different. It just gives you different content. So, yeah. you know, B, it does away with all of the uh, the nomenclature that we're that we've unfortunately been saddled with over the year, like subscribe and you know all the the six thousand buttons on your site for all the services you can listen to. I mean, Spotify is a unified audio platform. It makes sense for them to to want to unify spoken word. Uh, and then, of course, it's it's sort of, you know, both Spotify and Pandora are kind of the ultimate cross-platform solutions. We don't have to worry about, does you know, is Google going to have a better player or, you know, all of those things kind of disappear because both of those apps are seamlessly cross-platform. And right. I think what you're going to see, Hint, is that uh, at the very least, uh, Spotify has some association with the, you know, the current growth rate of, of podcasting. Um, it's absolutely bringing new people into it. And is it a podcast? Well, no, you, you know, I know Rob, you would argue with, with, well, it wouldn't be an argument. It's not a podcast. Uh, right. it's just, you know, by the technical definition. Um, but it is streaming the content that we think of as podcasts and it's, and it's getting that content, uh, not only in, in more, uh, people's earballs, but also to brand new people, right? The new right. people to the medium period. And I think, you know, Spotify is going to be very, very important to the space. I, I know uh, that our our friend Rob Walsh at Libsyn will tell you that they're a strong number two right now in yeah. in their network, and uh, I think that's you're going to continue to see that. And you're and there's also another shoe to drop from Pandora. I'm sure both of those apps want to be the unified audio experience on your mobile device, and you can't be a unified audio experience if you don't have spoken word. It did take them an awfully long time to figure this out, though, Tom. <laughs> it did right. take, the, yeah, absolutely, it did. But, but also, like in fairness, uh, yeah. the the Venn diagram five years ago of Spotify listener and podcast listener didn't cross very much. Interesting. Um, and What's that's changed that, on that. Is it just the quality of the podcast content matches more with the mainstream now? You think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, one of the one of the things that we've reported for years. Uh, you know, podcasting lagged a little bit with the youngest demographics. I mean, there just yeah, wasn't did, enough. Yeah. Right. There wasn't enough great content, and that's changed a lot. And Spotify is a huge platform, twelve to twenty-four. Um, and so, you know, with with twelve to twenty-four uh, listeners on Spotify, and an increasing amount of quality content that's designed for twelve to twenty-four listeners, then they're naturally going to discover it. Uh, and I, you know, as I mentioned in that article I, I wrote about Spotify a few weeks ago. Yeah. It's only natural, I think, that there's going to have to be a drive to incorporate – to find a, a, a smoother way to incorporate licensed music into podcasting. And then I think you're going to get some great shows. You make a comment in there about um, how this combination of music and podcasting is is like a meteor that's coming. My comment back to you on that, is that a meteor that's going to destroy the open uh, podcasting earth or is it uh, – you know, 
is it just going to be a new genre of content that's going to be sitting behind maybe some pl- platforms, uh, proprietary platforms like Spotify? Uh, yeah. Like, well, you know, it, and I think it, is it at that point podcasting? Well, again, I you know I I don't my purview is the is the listener, um, and so I don't really get hung up on what is and isn't podcasting. That, that those lines are increasingly difficult to to draw. Yeah, they are. Um, you. you know, and th- there's no question that podcasting licensed music is going to necessitate royalty payments, and royalty payments are going to necessitate an infrastructure to audit and collect those. Um, and that is vastly easier to do on a streaming platform. So, you know, is it possible that that really becomes, if not exclusively, then, you know, the majority, uh, the realm of, of the streaming providers that, that may be true. Um, you know, I don't know that nothing new destroys the old. It never does. Nothing new ever destroys the old. It destroys the weak and, and it makes what's left of the old better. Uh, you know, I don't think the open nature of podcasting is ever going to change. I think there are, are strident and active voices in the space that will continue to keep it that way. Will there be other avenues open up that that may be more on a, more closed? Yeah, I mean, you can't be the Netflix of audio unless you unless you close it off, right? I mean, that's that that's right. just kind of how it works. So, yeah. but I I think there's room for all of it. So what could happen here is one of two things: either we head down this path with music podcasts, and I think what we're talking about when we say music podcasts is actually the ability to create a show. Uh, let's use an example on Spotify and, you know, you can use a tool, a publishing tool, kind of like maybe like an anchor or somebody like yep. that. Maybe. Create yeah, a, I've heard uh, of them. Sure. <laughs> create a, a music <laughs> show that maybe is, maybe is published to Spotify. I can, I can kind of generally visualize how that might work. I don't know. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not out of the realm, is it? Um, and, <laughs> and look, Spotify and Pandora both already have, the, I mean, since they're streaming, and it's not a download. They already have the systems and the mechanisms in place for royalty accounting and royalty payments. Right. So it's you know it's just a matter of adding a spoken word layer to that and, and having those things be curated. And they've you know, there's absolutely no reason why they can't do it right now. You put it in that context, and the the anchor acquisition makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean if that is the the goal. Now, granted, in publishing music podcasts into Anchor that then goes into Spotify. Which I know was their kind of their their big goal that they were shooting for, uh, trying to go after Spotify for that type of relationship. Because I think I do agree with you that that you know music podcast is one of those genres that has just never really been able to legally lift off, you know, and and reach any kind of um, prominence or scale in the in the medium. And I think a lot of people would love to create. A whole show just on music. They love to play full tracks and then talk about the music in between the tracks and and do that kind of stuff. And a lot of them, a lot of people do it anyway, even though it's illegal. Right? This would be a legal path for people to you know do what they love to do. And by the way, sign me up. Right. Uh, I'll I'll do one tomorrow. Right. So right. yeah, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting that day. The question gets back to is, you know, as we're kind of evolving the conversation and talking about Spotify's acquisition of Gimlet and, and Anchor here, but as you think about that, um, the ability to publish uh, into this platform uh, through like an Anchor uh, to create music podcasts or whatever, I think the big question in my mind is where is the external distribution aspect of this come into play or does 
Anchor be primarily just a publishing tool into Spotify? And I guess that's the big question in, in my mind is does does publishing into Anchor in the long run mean that you can get into Apple Podcasts, you can get into Pandora, you can get into, you know, all the other podcast listening apps, but maybe you 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 can if you don't publish a music podcast. So I don't know if you've done any thinking about that. I have and I honestly don't know the answer. Right. Um, I don't think yeah, I really does. don't. We're all speculating, right? We're all yeah, and and I'm not much of a speculator to be honest. Um, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I think, you know, the the one thing you can say about Spotify is that they are large enough that they can indeed be an entity unto themselves, right? Um, and be financially successful at doing it. I, I mean, it's you know, uh, the reach of Spotify in America is incredible. Um, it's exceeded only by the reach of Pandora, by the way. Right. Um, so, you know, they both have the ecosystems to be self-sustaining should they choose to sort of close that content off and make Anchor a uh, – I don't think they're going to do that with with Anchor, you know, with all of the content that might be produced that way. Uh, but I don't know. I can kind of visualize it if you want to create a music podcast uh, through Anchor. That would probably only be available on Spotify. But if you wanted to create some other genre of show, you can probably externally distribute it probably. It just depends on if Spotify can maintain those – relationships uh with those other platforms given that that they own anchor i don't know yes yeah, speculating I right on that yeah. uh, well and it, you know it's it's if you sort of leave it up to the user as well like tick this box if you're playing licensed music then that's just probably not going to work either <laughs> right it's not as simple as that right yeah. it's not as simple as that yeah a lawyer will shoot you in the face as i like to say <laughs> right. um so there's going to have to be some kind of uh, supervision of, of that particular playroom. Is that opportunity, I think Spotify's goals here is maybe more of a cost savings thing. I, I don't know if you would agree with that just based on your article, but the strategy of adding um, spoken word content more to their platform kind of shifts, shifts their user base over to consuming other, other types of content other than music, right, that they don't have to pay for. Uh, is that one of the big benefits to supporting podcasts in a big way on a platform like Spotify is cost reduction and time spent on platform? Well, it's, it's a benefit, I, but I, I think ultimately, especially with this kind of financial commitment, Spotify is, is an empire builder. And right. I, I think you don't, you know, you don't invest that much into podcasting if it's purely for cost cutting purposes. Although the more original owned content Spotify plays, the fewer royalty checks they have to write to the labels. I mentioned that in my article. Right, exactly. But I think ultimately it's about top line growth for them. I mean, they have a stated goal to be the number one audio platform in the world. And that means okay. they're competing directly against Apple. They're competing directly against Google Play. They're competing directly against Pandora. And you cannot credibly claim that unless you're representing the entire audio spectrum. And catering to people out there that have a variety of desires and content, too. I mean, while most people listen to music, I, I, I think there is a subset of people out there that prefer spoken word content, probably over music, uh, or they just like to do both. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. But the acquisition really also symbolizes a kind of an increased potential of investment in the podcasting medium and and how that could foster audience growth, better tech. You know, I mean, you kind of elaborate this in your article as well and, um, and how that might benefit. I mean, how do you think this is going to benefit the podcasting space as you look forward? It's starting to set 
uh, new kind of financial boundaries to look at, right? Right. I mean, you can you can look at any number you want. The truth is, something is worth what someone will pay for it. And yeah. podcasting just got worth a whole lot more, right? That just happened. Uh, and so, you know, now that podcasting is worth a, ho- a whole lot more, it's going to have to charge a whole lot more. And why is it all of a sudden worth a whole lot more? That's well, because that's what question, someone paid. Right? You know, that's what someone paid. Um, you know, you can look at Anchor uh, and look at what they had built, and you can look at the book value of that company, but. Obviously, Spotify took a look at it and said, you know what? It would cost us as much, if not more, in mistakes, in opportunity cost, in missed balls or whatever to build this thing. Right. Uh, so let's just buy it. So now we know what a company like Anchor is worth, right? Because that's what was paid for it. So it is worth that. You know, people talk about overpaying this or overpaying that. You know, I don't know. History will be the judge of that. But they're worth exactly what they were paid to, to acquire. So that's, that's a true fact. You know, again, Spotify and Pandora both reach different people than podcasting has reached to date. There's certainly more overlap than ever before. But, you know, if I can just fire up one of those two apps and and have uh, more of a lean back experience for spoken word content consumption, then that's great. Right. I mean, I I can put on, you know, the audio for a Netflix comedy special uh, while I'm puttering around in the kitchen, not even watch it. And that's more kind of lean back audio consumption. And, and certainly the streaming platforms cater to that because, you know, most of their uh, usage is lean back usage. Yeah. And I think there's, there, you know, there's some room in there for spoken word as well. So they're just going to continue to open up the medium to new audiences. And, and it, you know what, it may change. And it's, it's it, you know, it's going to make the purists angry because it's not a <laughs> podcast anymore. And it's. Uh, and I don't care. I'm, I want checks and I'm getting checks. And that's what's important to me in the space <laughs> is that it produce enough checks so that I can keep doing it because I love being in the space. Well, I mean, clearly this kind of is a sign of a movement somewhat away from downloads, right? Uh, I think that the medium has really been defined by the download. And these streaming platforms, just by their very name, they're streaming platforms, right, uh, is shifting consumption to more of a click play experience than a download and and then play experience. So, you know, that is also going to change the very fabric of the of the medium itself as well. But um wanted to talk a little bit about your research that's coming up and and kind of maybe talk big picture around what kind of trend lines that you see extending from uh last year's research into this new year and and maybe where some of the the hot areas are that may be moving right in a certain direction. I don't know if you're willing to talk about that uh, in advance of your study uh, re- release, yeah. but if the study is showing audience growth or, or is the content growth kind of growing or, I mean, where, where are you seeing kind of the hot button items as you kind of look from last year to this year? Well, uh, the one uh, I, I, I did put this out as a little bit of a teaser, not to the public, but uh, I, I spoke at a, a podcast up front last week. I'm, I'm speaking at a podcast event this week, and I'm also going to be at Rain next week, and I'm yeah. I'm going to give this stat, so I'm, I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay, thank you. Um, the <laughs> the one the one podcast stat that that uh, we are releasing early, uh, at least in in this sort of venue, is um, the podcasting familiarity. It's a thing I've talked about a lot. Uh, especially the, you know, the percentage of people who say they're familiar with the term, but have not yet listened. And that was the, the subject of a, a research project and a, and a keynote and a variety of other things that we did with podcast movement last year. 
but I can tell you that this year familiarity has has grown uh, at, at least in terms of a percentage point growth as much as it ever has. Last year it was sixty four percent, and uh, this year we're going to report that it's seventy percent, oh. and that's that's a significant growth um, in terms of of familiarity. So. You know, if that uh, if you can intuit anything further from that, uh, feel free to intuit. I know I talked last year at Podcast Movement about uh, about the 52, the 52 million Americans that we need to get to 100 million in terms of weekly listeners, uh, because last year we were at 48 million weekly listeners estimated. And I can tell you that we have made some inroads into that this year and. And I will reveal more on on March 6th, but it it does continue to be a a vibrant space. And I think this past year has done well in terms of getting more people at least aware that these things exist and and getting them to be curious about them. You use that term familiar. Is that just another term for awareness or is that a more definitive term that you you guys were drilling down on? Yeah, it's it's more uh, awareness that there is such a thing called podcasting. Okay. Um, yeah, which back in 2006, by the way, 22% of Americans 12 plus uh, say that they had ever heard the term. That number was kind of stuck at like the mid 40s for about six or seven years. Right. Uh, and then it started to pick up in 2016 and went from 49 to 55. That's the only other six percentage point increase that we've seen uh, other than the very, very beginning. Um, and in the past four years, it's gone from 55 to 60 to 64. And then this year, we're going to report that it's 70. When seven out of 10 Americans say that they have at least heard the term, then you're right. you're getting somewhere. Um, now, like I said, uh, at Podcast Movement, that doesn't mean they really know what it is, but it at least introduces the term. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that they've actually listened to one or they no. know how to get one or that kind of thing, right? That's just, they've heard it in the medium or in other media somewhere, yeah. potentially, yeah. or from a friend, or from all sorts of places. Yeah, it's a mix of people, right? It's people that have uh, that have heard of it but don't know what it is, don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, people that have heard of it but don't really see a need for it. They're perfectly satisfied with their current audio diet. They don't know what they don't know. Right. Uh, and by the way, there's also people in there that I would call trier rejectors, people that listen to podcasts maybe in the past and haven't found the right content going forward and they just sort of dropped away from being regular podcast listeners or maybe their life situations have changed. That happens more, more often than you might think, you know, somebody gets a new job, their commute changes, their stress levels change. It alters what they, what they choose to listen to. So there's all kinds of things in that gap between uh, the people who know the term and the people who are actual regular consumers of podcasts. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's still encouraging to see that number continue to creep up. Yeah, and it also applies to the the creator side too. That I think that there's podcasting is a very very much linked up with emotional feelings. People go through different stages in their lives and different living situations, and I think listening to podcasts is very much a kind of like a personal connection um, type of relationship that you have with a show. And sometimes, you know, your emotions change about that or it's not a priority to you anymore. I think there's a lot of shifting that goes on. But it's also one of the things that I've seen in your research that's come out here um, is talking about women in podcasting, too, and how how we're seeing a lot more women listening to podcasts. I, I think uh, was it last year it grew about yep. 3%. And also, I think we're seeing a significant increase in the amount of content creators that are women in the podcasting space as well. So as far as this new research, did you guys get any kind of number on 
growth of women um, listening to podcasts? Is that growing? I mean, you don't have to share a number, but is it is it progressing even further, or have we flatlined on that? Well, I would say that the space uh, from a, an audience composition standpoint continues to approach the U.S. average and everything. Oh, duh. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, podcasting was very—it was like two thirds male when we first started tracking right. it. No, it, it was, was. A, yeah. it was a sausage fest. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's gradually both in in gender, but also age, uh, and and importantly, also diversity. Yeah. Um, you know, podcasting was very white early on. And now, even last year, that pie looks almost identical to the U.S. population, which is super encouraging. We're getting all kinds of right. minority voices uh, starting to, to be uh, represented and, at, you know, and represented uh, as they should be in the, in the percentage of, of podcast listeners as well. So right. uh, all of that stuff is starting to look, you know, normal. Right. Uh, actually, I was going to clarify on the white part. It was white and bearded, actually, I think is the the more appropriate um, term there because it was a bunch of white, geeks. Yeah. White and white bearded. <laughs> white and white bearded. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, well, Tom, it was fantastic having you on the Speaker Live show. I appreciate you spending some time here. I know you're you're busy. Um, getting getting prepped for travel and your presentations for the this new uh, research that's coming out. And so how can a listener sign up and get connected with that uh, presentation on March 6th? Sure. It's, uh, if you just go to edisonresearch.com, uh, it's about halfway down the homepage. You should see a, a save the date post for Infinite Dial. Uh, you can register. It's where registration's on Eventbrite. It's free. Uh, we're going to be streaming live on March 6th at 2 p.m. So we'll have uh, information going out to everybody on that uh, about how they can actually watch the presentation. And, of course, after the presentation's over, we'll, we will send people the uh, the deck and a link to the video and, and all kinds of good stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of it's it's not the biggest piece of research that Edison does, but it's it's kind of it's kind of my Super Bowl. Um, it's you know, it's it's the research study that. I look forward to the most every year. Sorry, clients. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm always uh, I'm always amped and and uh, and ready to put on a show. You've been involved in the podcasting space for a very long time. I could see how it would be a passion project. For, you know, you've endured the uh, the runway of this medium. It's been an up and down, somewhat kind of pathway, but it's also been, in some ways, really steady too. I think a lot of people think that it was. Uh, a lot of ups and downs. Um, yeah. but actually it's been pretty steady. Uh, That's something, by the way, whenever I'm, whenever a journalist call, I, you know, I take half a dozen to a dozen interviews a week with journalists looking yeah. for a quote about podcasting as, you know, as I'm sure you do as well. And, uh, you know, many of them will say, you know, why is podcasting so hot lately? And I'm like, well, cause you're calling me about it, but the, <laughs> the audience has just steadily grown every year, right? It's yeah. the audience has always been there. Um, it's, it's not, it's not particularly hot. It's not particularly cold. It just accretes year after year and, and slow and steady. I mean, I, I think the only thing I, uh, you know, I sort of feel bad about it. I remember when I spoke at podcast movement last year, I, I showed a slide of the, the, the sponsors at the first portable media expo in Ontario. Yeah. And like, other than like the Mac observer, they're all gone. And so there, there's certainly been a lot of attrition in the space, but I think now it's, it's a, it's a particularly good time to be in the space and, you know, and I'm rooting for everybody's success. You know, I think it is true to some degree that we are in a little bit of a golden age of the medium right now. I mean, 
I mean, I've been around since this thing started and, and it's never been as real as it is now. You know, I think back in the early days of the medium, back in 2004 and five, I, there was a lot of inflated kind of perceptions of the importance of it um, at the time and, and the impact that it was going to have. And um, now we've, after 15 years, we're actually starting to see significant impact on the world at large and how uh, listeners are benefiting from this content uh, like never before. You know, a lot of the shows that I was involved in back in the early days were kind of just technology talk shows. And that's what the podcasting space was really all about back then, which reached a very narrow niche audience. But now we're reaching global audiences. We're seeing countries around the world come into the podcasting medium like we've never seen before and become, you know, significant. You know, we're seeing a lot of audience growth in uh, South America and in Asia. And there's podcasting conferences popping up all over the world. So it's it's an exciting time, I have to say. Yeah, it is indeed. I mean, I you know I'm a market researcher by trade. I yeah. I could be market researching, uh, you know, toilet paper or adjustable wrenches, but I get to do this, so I'm right. I'm pleased. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the Speaker Live Show. It was great to have you on. Thanks, Rob. All right. Well, that was the interview with um, Tom Webster, and I appreciate you spending time listening to that. Uh, it was a very insightful conversation that I had with Tom. And uh, I want to thank you for listening to the Spreaker Live Show. We're going to wrap it up for this week. And uh, I want to invite you back uh, for the next episode of the Spreaker Live Show. I don't believe I'm going to be doing a show next week because I'm going to be traveling down to PodFest Multimedia Expo down in Orlando at the in, in the same time frame that this show usually airs. So we will see you the uh, probably two weeks because I'm going to be um, – flying out to to Europe for a Spreaker team meeting that's going to be going on in Spain the following week. So uh, I hope everybody is terrific and and uh, and it should be a, a lot of fun. Um, when I'm in Orlando, though, um, I'm going to be doing a live new media show from on stage down there. So you might want to tune into that. I, I believe that's happening on the 9th of... Um, on Saturday the 9th at uh, noon Eastern um, and 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, right here on the Speaker Live Show. So if you want to check out uh, a conversation um, from uh, PodFest New Media Expo, our Multimedia Expo down in Orlando, um, come back and check us out next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific and noon Eastern for that right here at SpreakerLiveShow.com. So I hope you have a terrific week, and uh, we'll be back with the Spreaker Live Show in uh, in about three weeks. So thank you so much for, for listening, and I appreciate you spending so much time with us today. 